Colossians, Lesson 10, Chapter 3. And I'm going to go ahead and read 1 through 9, and then we'll back up and see what we can learn from it right quick, and we'll review for just a minute, because we had a guest speaker last week, so that was good. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which were upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked, let me back up, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. So I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to go back and so chapters 1 and 2, again, review at the top of your page, are what? You have a blank there. They're doctrinal. They're, you're looking at me like what? Yeah, did I give, did I give you one? No. <laughs> gave everyone? I do? Okay, so go to page 1. That's why I did number them. I'm sorry, Carrie. I have you doing my technical work and I didn't give you my uh, uh, handout. Okay, so chapters 1 and 2. Remember I said the book of Colossians is really easy. Chapters 1 and 2 are doctrinal. Doctrinal goes in your blank. And what is doctrine? It's biblical teaching. And that the the doctrine here, jump back to chapter 1 of Colossians, go down to verse 9. It says, For this cause also since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you to, and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. First of all, he says, I want you guys to know who God is. I want you to be filled with that. And that's why we come to church to hear God's Word, to learn. We go through D1, D2, HBI. We're getting trained. We're getting God's Word, how it applies to our life, what it says, and, and so forth. So chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians are teaching. Okay? And chapters 3 and 4, which we just started 3 today, are practical. They're like, okay, so now that you've learned this, this is how you live it. Okay? And they show us how to live our lives for Christ, and we call that our walk, right? Since we are filled with God's knowledge, then we are to walk in it. Uh, in fact, uh, chapter 1, verse 10 says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I know I've went over this at least one time in Colossians. In fact, I probably go over it and over it and over it because I got to get it in my thick skull. It takes several times to get it in my head, but this is it. If you get these two verses down, you've got down exactly what Colossians is about, and you've got down really what God wants in your life. 
because I'm going to be teaching on this at some point in the future, that you are, that basically God wants a relationship with us. How do we have that? Through His Word, through the relationship we have with Christ, through salvation. He wants us to know Him and He wants to know us. Okay? And then, He wants us to show that with our life. Because we belong to Him. So chapters 3, which we just started today, is practical. So you have these people go, why do you, why do you think the Bible is so great? Why, why do you always bring everything to the Bible? Um, it's just a book. And you're like, have, and then they come out and they'll go, well, the Bible isn't really relevant for today. How many times have you heard that? I've heard preachers say that. Well, let me put it this way. I'll say it nicely. False preachers say that. It's just not relevant for today. In fact, like the, the, like the Ten Commandments, you just can't apply them today. I'm like, baloney. The Bible is relevant. And here's my question to those people that say, well, the Bible is not relevant. Am I saying that right? Relevant. Relevant. Okay. I, my wife's sitting there looking like this, and I'm like, what am I saying wrong? <laughs> relevant. Or you gotta remember, I took speech class until I was in fifth grade, so I'm a slow learner. Okay? So, relevant. Relevant. Okay. So it's just not relevant today. Okay. Here's my question to those people. Have you read it? And they're like, well, there's nothing in the Bible that really tells me how to live my life today. Well, look at the list we're going to look at today. Look at what it says in Colossians. Look at chapter 3. It's to how you do it, okay? And so that's why I kind of like it. So chapters 1 and 2 are doctrinal. Chapters 3 and 4 are practical. And then uh, in your handout, it says Colossians 3, 1 through 9, which we read, the how-to starts. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of a monkey-see-monkey-do type guy. In fact, that's why I like videos, because I like to see it, okay? And in fact, uh, I've seen that. I've had several people even in here tell me that they're a visual learner. So I like that, and so hopefully I'll get that to work here in a minute. But um, So the Bible is a practical book, and it's practical information to those risen in Christ. So we saw that right in chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. How does, does that apply to anybody in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Good. On the good side, right? It applies to me, right? It applies to you. Because we are risen in Christ. Okay. So. If you've been risen with Christ, if I say something that applies to you, just work with me a little bit. Humor me today. Raise your hand, okay? So we're going to be up and I'm not going to have you stand up or jump or shout or dance or anything. But just raise your hand, okay? So if you are risen with Christ, raise your hand. Okay. If you are born again. Okay. If you've been saved from eternal fire. If your home is in heaven. Okay. If you're one of those fanatic KJV Bible believers, okay, you're just leaving your hand up. I may throw something in, you don't know. <laughs> okay. If you're not afraid to give your testimony, if you're not afraid to witness to others, if you're not afraid to ask questions, if you pray for the lost, if you're sold out for Christ. Okay. So all yours are there. Then the next statement says, then do this. 
whether you're a new Christian or an old Christian. I was going to put mature Christian there, but I looked around the class and I was thinking about everybody and I'm like, there's some of us in there that are quite not mature yet. I won't mention names. I won't mention any names. I'm talking about myself. So I just put in older, old Christian. Okay. Then do this. Okay. Then do this. Advise those who say the Bible isn't relative. Hey, I had it right there, right? Is that even right? No. No. No, I still don't have a form. You don't have a. You don't have a. You gave me last week. Yes. Well, I've got them. They were here somewhere. They're under mine. Okay. Now she'll tell me it's spelled wrong. Now she will tell me it's spelled wrong. Turn it over. I've got to push this over. Oh, good! I need that. That's my. No, that's my Sam's. That's my Sam's list. I don't need that today. I'll pull that out and do announcements with my Sam's list. We need cheese. We need. I am glad I got my act together today. Aren't you? Okay. So where are we? Okay. So, advise those who say the Bible isn't relative. Is that right? They spell it right? Am I using that word right? Relevant. Relative. Okay. So I'm wrong again. Okay. I have got to stop doing this late at night. Have they, if the, if people tell you that the Bible is not for them today, ask them, have you read the Bible? Have you actually read it? Because, uh, probably is no. Have they been through discipleship? Now think about that. There's a lot of people out there, even though they may be a Christian, but they have never grown. And they actually act and look a lot like the world. And why is that? Because they haven't been taught. They have, because they were not reading their Bible. And so, they haven't been through discipleship. Because when you bring, we bring people through discipleship, you're giving them the word to help them to grow, right? Yeah. So today I'm going to give an announcement for HBI that we're doing. Uh, we're having a, a luncheon afterwards for HBI for those people that are interested in attending HBI or even thinking about going to HBI in the future. Because we want Randy is going to give those people a plan or things to start doing to get ready to do that. So we have we have pastors in this church. Every pastor in this church wants everyone to grow in the Lord. Pastor Brian wants that. Randy wants to do that. Wants everyone to do that. And Randy is willing to sit down with anybody in our church to help them with their walk, whether it's going to D1, D2, HBI. And in fact, our church, if, if you go up and you tell one of the pastors of our church, I really think God wants me to go to Pakistan to be a missionary. And, the, and you convince the pastors of that? We will do everything in our power to get you on the field. I believe that with my whole heart or I wouldn't be here. 
And so Pastor Randy will sit down and work with you to, to get a plan of things, steps you need to make. So that's going to, I'm going to announce that today. That's right after service today. Are you guys doing anything with that food wise? Oh good. So you can go to that and sit in it. Okay. So any of us can. Okay. Uh, but we need, we need to con- constantly be thinking about learning more and, and then knowing God more and then putting that in our life, okay? So, um, verse 1 says of chapter 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. So, seek goes in your blank in A, under A there. Seek those things which are above. Now, that's a big statement. That is huge for the Christian. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, this is information you got to have. Instead of putting the focus on your life, start putting the focus on on uh, things above. Seek those things which are above. Search for them. You know, the Bible talks about learning God's Word. You need to. We need to study it. We need to read it, and we need to seek. We need to search for it like uh, we're uh, we're digging for a hidden treasure. In the book of Proverbs, back in Psalms a little bit. We need to seek those things. We need to search them out. Those things which are above. And then B says, set your affections on things in heaven. Heaven is what goes in your blank, verse 2. It says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. So where's your, so let me ask you. We are to focus our life on heavenly things and not earthly. So where's your heart at? Where's your heart at today? And so turn over to our, our scripture reference that I have, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. And I know you guys probably know exactly where I'm going. And Jesus is talking here. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, where hailstorms come through and yeah, and I just threw that in. There's always things that keep popping up, right? Because uh, just when you get the house painted, along comes a hailstorm and beats it to death. How did you say that? When you just got her house painted. Did you? You also? Well, her house got hailed on. They have some damage on it. But it's like, it's like if you own a house, you're always working on it. When when I lived on the farm, it's like no matter what I did on that farm, you put a new fence across the front. Some guy gets runs off the road and runs through your fence. You paint the barn, and the next thing you know, you have a hailstorm. You, you you could not keep it right in this world. We can't keep anything looking looking the way it was new. Everything you buy goes downhill. Everything you work on goes downhill. And so we need to, we need to put our heart where it's going to matter. Put our affections on where it matters. So where would, where'd I stop at? Uh, verse 20. Let me say that again of Matthew 6. It says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break in, break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Christ says to focus on things above, okay? And we see that right here in Colossians chapter 3. You want some practical information now that you know who Christ is and now that you know that you're saved? Start putting your affections on things above. 
Start putting, uh, seeking those things which are above. Focus on heavenly things. Put your heart even towards those things. And it says, remember our life is hid in Christ and we belong to who? Your blank. Jesus goes in your blank. Now I know we sing a song here that says, there's a song, and I don't know what it is. Maybe you guys that are good that, we, that has the, the, the words in it, we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. You know the song? Does that ring a bell with anybody? Does anybody sing and when we go out in the auditorium? <laughs> It'd help if I could describe it a little better. But there's, in, in the tune, in the chorus, it's like, we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. And then, and it's got a real catchy tune, but the words are fantastic on that, if I could remember the rest of them. We belong to Jesus. Okay? C says, consider yourself dead to this world. You know, give thought to this. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Take heed to this. Make allowance for it. You know, it's really hard to upset a dead man. You know, when, when you go to a funeral and that guy's laid out in the, on the casket and you go up there and you slap him four or five times, he's not gonna care. Why? He's, the body's dead. He's not, he's actually not there. Okay? And I, I hope that's not irrelevant, but I didn't even say that right. But I gotta stay off that word. The point is, I'm trying to say, as being a Christian, we need to be dead to the cares of this world and alive to Christ, okay? And so, um, the handout keeps, I'll keep going. It says, this present world that we live in is ran by Satan and his goons, right? And we're just passing through trying to pull people out of it. Because that's our job. Our job as a Christian is to reconcile people to Christ, Okay. The problem is we we get down and, and, and I'm talking about myself because we're all narcissists. We all are self-centered. We think it's all about us. No, God's left us here for a purpose to be His ambassador to reconcile people to Him. So turn over to Second Corinthians chapter five. And I want to read eighteen through twenty one. Or at least 18. I th- I'll probably read it all and then go back and look at 18. Let's back up to verse 17, by the way. Second uh, Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So let me go back to verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our job as a Christian, as a, a 
believer in Christ. That is our job to reconcile people to Christ. So we're kind of like, I don't want to say body snatchers. That's not quite right. We're kind of like soul snatchers. We're trying to snatch people out of this world and bring them to the spiritual part. And we do that through Christ and the gospel. So that's our job. We are to to reconcile lost people to Christ. Okay. In my Bible, I have here um, a note. I'm just giving you what I have. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. That's my little cross-reference that I've had in there for probably years. And if we go back and look at Colossians chapter 1, 27 and 28, it says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect, which means complete, in Christ Jesus. So, I talked about that earlier in Colossians that we want to be able to present people to Christ and so once they get to the judgment seat of Christ we'll see the fruit of our of our work right there okay so we we need to consider ourselves dead to ourselves and alive to Christ okay and so page number 2 I don't know if that's on your page 2 and again there are five things here to mortify what does mortify mean To kill. Okay. To to kill, get rid of our lives. To get out of our lives. Okay? And so I have a list here uh, of some things. Before I get there, let's go over and look at my cross-references. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 24 and 25. Chapter 5 of Galatians. 24 and 25. And they that are Christ have crucified the what? The flesh with the affections, with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So, uh, we need, we need to live for Christ. Okay? And then uh, our next Reference is Romans chapter 6. So let's take a look at that. Romans chapter 6. Again, we need to live for Christ and not ourselves. There are things we need to do in our life. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 6, says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead, Indeed, into sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So I'm going to stop right there. But we are to uh, 
live our life for Christ and not for the flesh, not for ourselves. And so you want some practical things to do as being a Christian? Just just say you're a brand new Christian and you're like, okay, so I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm going to heaven. Now what? Here's some things to do. And here are five things to do to kill, to get rid out of your, out of your lives. Number one, fornication. Sex outside of marriage. Now I'm looking around at this group. I don't think that's a problem. But maybe you're a brand new Christian. Maybe you're getting ready to disciple somebody that just fell off the salvation truck. Okay? I just, that's a term I just came up with. I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, brand new, green Christian, okay? They just came out of the world. You go, okay, let me show you what God says to start doing. Number one, fornication. You gotta get that out of your life. Okay? Sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness. What is uncleanness? Moral impurity. Or lewdness. Okay? The next one, number three, inordinate affection. Can anybody tell me what that is? These are terms we should know, but most of the time, you know, we gotta go look them up. Inordinate affection is a desirable lust. Okay? A desirable lust. So we're already in Romans. Let's go back to Romans 1 and verse 26. Romans 1.26 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use unto that which against nature. Okay, so it's a desirable lust. And let me tell you, this is a downward spiral. Just like I said a couple weeks ago when I was here and I wrote down the LGBTPS, it's all going back to Satan. It's a downward spiral. Okay, and so you got, he says, stay away from, or kill, kill, take these out of your life. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, and the next one is evil concupiscence. Now what in the world does that mean? We don't go, run around and use that word a lot. Not too often, Not too often right. Uh, evil concupiscence is an evil, irregular desire for a sexual, ple- for sexual pleasure. Like coveting or the lust after. Irregular desire. Yeah, a, a irregular desire for sexual pleasure. Perversion. Perversion like child. Does it come from that? <coughs> Same stuff. So. All of it. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just. Like the stuff that's going on nowadays. Yeah, I mean, you see it. So, I mean, you see it and they go, you know, you got some people like, they don't think it's a problem sleeping around. You know, if they're not married, or maybe even if they aren't, it's not a problem. Well, that's the fornication, but it starts going downward. And so these people that get hooked on pornography and all this stuff, they didn't start out that way. It, they're, they're just going that direction. Okay. They're just like going down the drain. And have you noticed each one of these? He says the, the Bible, God, the book of Colossians says, get these out of your life. Okay. And it's not just a suggestion. Because it says kill them. Kill these in your life. Okay? And then number five. In fact, let's go back to Colossians. I'm going to make sure I'm reading this right. Because you know me. I will get it messed up. Uh, Colossians uh, 3. And the last one is covetousness. Now, what's covetousness? Idolatry. 
Yes, but what, that wasn't what I was looking for. It's, it's I want this, right? Now, the, the biblical approach is, you're right, Roger, is it's idolatry. But, you know, most people don't think of it that way. If you ask the average person lost or saved, what is what does covetous mean? And they could probably give you a definition. It's, 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 it's wanting everything for myself. Okay? And so, but the Bible defines it more than that. It defines it as idolatry, just like Roger said. Uh, Ephesians 5.5, 5. let's look at that cross-reference. A lot of these same things you will see in the book of Ephesians. It's very similar to the book of Colossians. So Ephesians 5.5 5 says, For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And so, it's it's kind of strange when you first look at it that God would put being covetous in with the same group with all these sexual sins. Because almost all of them are a sexual nature here. And so... Um, and that's true, but he says they're all tied in with it. And if, in fact, I have to go back now. Let me let me just stop and rephrase this. Would, if you were making a list, would you put these all in the same list? Would you put fornication and cleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence in the same list as idolatry? We probably wouldn't, but God does because He's trying to tell us something. They're all intertwined. Okay. And in fact, when you go back and you looked at the worship of these false gods in the Old Testament, specifically with Baal, you'll see each one of these. And it's always a sexual nature. Uh, when you look at uh, when the Moses was bringing the people out of Egypt and they, and they were on, the, uh, uh, on their 40-year journey, they got to Baal Peor. And the Baal, uh, the people that was worshiping Baal at a place called Peor, they, they enticed the Israelite men to come out and have sex with their women. They must have prayed their, you know, uh, beauty queens out in front, uh, in front of them. And there was a bunch of these guys, hey, free women. You know, let's go over and hang out with them for a while. Let's have a party. And God did not like that very well because what? It was tying them to the, their worship of Baal, which is basically Satan worship. And so, uh, that was, that was prevalent in every one of these Old Testament, I call fault, which they are unbiblical, false, false religions had these attributes in them. And that's why we're seeing them become so prevalent today. Okay, and so if I can get my video to work, I may go ahead and try it, or I may have to just start it all up again, guys. But just hang with me for a minute. Okay, and if you can't see it, at least I want you to listen to it. Testament, we read about a false god named Baal. 
Okay. Because it's going to talk about a false prophet of, of Baal. Let me get the volume up and then I'll get it going. No. Okay. Throughout the Old Testament, we read about a false god named Baal. Over and over again, this false god is presented. It is clear to see that there are several reasons as to why the Israelites kept turning their backs on God and would return to the worship of Baal instead. In our modern day world, we can see elements of Baal worship. There is a return of Baal worship that we are witnessing. One of the leading causes of Israel's attachment to the worship of Baal is the sexual pleasure they derived from it. Since the worship of Baal encouraged temple prostitution, it was a new religion that fostered sexual freedom among the Israelites. A suitable scriptural reference for this is Numbers chapter 25 verses 1 through 3, which records the events at Baal Peor. Numbers chapter 25 verses 1 through 3. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Baal worship is alive and well in our world today, and we can see this in our culture. We live in a world that worships at the altar of pleasure. As long as it feels good, it's fine. This is why Baal worship is so prevalent in the Old Testament. It was a religion that appealed to the flesh. It appealed to the carnal man. All the carnal flesh wants is pleasure, and the flesh is deceitful. It only wants the gratification of pleasure, but the flesh never ever reminds you of the consequences of pleasure seeking. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3, New King James Version. Among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Allow me to read this same verse using another translation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3, New International Version. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And if you look at the majority of the world, most people are living to satisfy the lusts of the flesh. And this is what all worship catered to, the lusts of the flesh. The allure of illicit sex was rooted in ball worship. Ball worship was rooted in sensuality and involved ritualistic prostitution in the temples. We live in an age of pleasure seekers rather than God seekers, where sexual immorality is celebrated. What is sexual immorality? The root word for immorality is pornea, meaning illicit sexual intercourse, fornication, adultery. This also includes porn and... All right, I think I'll stop it right there, guys. So I, th- I think you kind of get the just at what I'm trying to get at here. 
Right, and I and I don't agree with the Bible versions the guy was using, but the point came across that Baal worship was basically doing all this sexual sin, and yet in our society we're seeing that. And I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that it's going to get worse and worse because the Bible tells us it's going to be more like the days of Noah. It's going to be more like the days of Lot. And so we're seeing that around us. And I don't want to bring this out to glorify this, but I want you guys to realize this is just the society we live in. And if I kept on with the tape, it talks about, you know, uh, a few years ago, if you wanted to be involved in all this uh, unnatural sexual things that was, you know, you were just limited to your hometown or the people you knew. Now you can go on an app. You can put an app on your phone and get hooked up with people five miles away from you, 30 miles away. You, you can do all this just by the, your computer or, or your phone. And I'm like, it's rampant. We may not even know that, but I'm like, it's there. And that's what the world we live in. So the number, Five, the first thing he tells these brand new Christians, he goes, you got to get rid of this out of your life. And so if we disciple somebody, we need to have that mentality to show them, hey, you know, uh, maybe it's a young man, young lady. You've got to get rid of this out of your life if you have it in your life because we've got to put our things focused on Christ. Okay? And so um, I also had a, I started out looking at a video this week and I was thinking about this because I'm talk, uh, kind of doing a little research on Baal worship, just what it was. And in 2016, in 2000, when, uh, when ISIS was big back around 2015, 2014, when ISIS was destroying, they were taking over a lot of Syria and they were destroying a lot of ancient artifacts and things. One thing that they did, now I don't like ISIS and I don't condone them, but they went into some of these places and they actually destroyed some of these temples to Baal. There was a, uh, in Palmyra, I believe that's in Syria, they went in and they destroyed a lot of old archaeological uh, uh, artifacts. And one of the things, there was a big arch that went to the temple of Baal and they destroyed it. Well, the the archaeologies just around the world they're like oh we we that was a united you know it was a nesco world heritage site and they destroyed it and that was they shouldn't have done that well anyway they recreated the arch of of, that goes into the temple of baal and they were going to bring it to to the united states and there were so many uh, Christians that found out about it, they threw a big uproar and they decided, well, we can't bring it there because we're getting opposed to this. So they brought this arch and they, they ended up bringing it to London and they had a, they kept it on display in London in 2016. And so it was there for a while and then guess what? They brought it to the United States, but they didn't put it the temple of Baal, they, they, they just, they called it the archway to, to this Babylonian temple. And so it was kind of under, under disguise. In 2016, they set that arch up in New York City. I didn't even know about this. But it was, it was the archway that went to the temple, to a temple of Baal that came out of Syria. And it was a reproduction. And then from there it stayed in, it stayed in New York for a few weeks and then they moved it to Dubai. And when you look at that, that is the, uh, financial centers of the world today. London, 
New York, and Dubai. And then I did some more research, and I found out that they it was just supposed to be... We're, we're putting this out because it's ancient uh, culture, ancient... Uh, relics that you know we need to keep because this is our past history but when they would set these up and move them out it was always on a a false religious holiday for Baal and I thought ooh that just gives me you know uh, what do you call it just goosebumps because I'm like no they brought it to New York and set it up and I think one of the days they set it up was on Passover and one of the days, but all the rest of the days would fit in just perfectly with their festivals and the dates that they had, just by coincidence. And I'm like, hmm. And some people have taken that and went a little farther than that. And, and I'm talking about there, there's a Messianic Jew that's in New York that's made a big deal about this, talking about all the sins that the Israelites did have now come to the United States. And I believe with what he says. He goes, basically, we're going down the same the same path that Israel did by following false gods. He takes it a little farther than it should be. I think he has some uh, theology replacement in his thinking, so I wouldn't buy everything he says. But with that, he's right on. Because not only do these people, they're, they're hung up on immoral sex, but they take pleasure and they want to flaunt it in our face. And so these are five things right off the bat that they that it says... Kill them in your life. Get rid of them. Okay? And then there are seven things it says to put out of our lives. And I'll just quickly try to get through these so we can get out of here. Number one is anger. That's good. We all have anger. It's defined as to inflame. Okay? And then there is wrath. Wrath is defined as a violent fury. Malice. It's defined as a revengeful Disposition to hurt others for personal gratification. And then blasphemy. It's irrelevant words against God and against our Lord Christ Jesus. Filthy communication. Anything unchristlike from foul language to gossip. Anything that doesn't please God, we need to take out of our life. And then lying. Okay, again, it's not practical. This is practical. I mean, you would tell your son that's five years old. You're not you're not to lie. That is not right. Okay? I mean, this is just practical. Uh, lying is to speak falsely with the intent to deceive. And then the last one here is where it really hits home. Uh, seven things to put out of our lives. It doesn't say to kill them. It says get rid of them. It, it means, you know, you got to keep working on it. And the last one is the old man. It's the old you. It's the old me. Before salvation. We are to put that out of our life. It's the old you and it's the, it's the old me. It's the you before Christ. So we are to leave and put off, put down, get rid, kill the old man and put on the new man. Put on Christ for, for you are a new creature. Your last blank is creature. Okay. In fact, let's go there. 1 Corinthians 6. I don't think I've been there yet today. 1 Corinthians 6. I don't know. I'm speaking to the choir, but I think we need to all hear this from time to time. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor 
effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So that may have been us. Now, you know, I got saved when I was 10, so a lot of these things wasn't applying to me, but yet they all still apply to all of us. And so, uh, yeah, the first five was pretty simple, not, not, not too hard for some of us. The second seven are, are a little harder because we have to make a decision every day to, to put off the old man and walk in Christ. And that's what we've got to do. But we still got the flesh that wants to desire all this stuff, okay? So, five things to kill, seven things to put off, and then put on Christ, put our affections on Him, and move forward. It's basic, simple instruction in the book of Colossians, okay? And again, you'll see a lot of that in Ephesians. So let's stop there, and I'll let you guys get out so you can get a good seat in uh, in the main auditorium. And uh, we'll go from there. Does that make sense? I know, I know, I, hopefully I haven't put a damper on everything, but, but we see it all around us. Other people are living in this. And we need to, you know, maybe not just flat out call them out, but we need to understand where they are to try to pull them out of the fire. Yes, Dave, you had something. I want to touch on that arch that you were talking about that went from London to New York to yeah. February 16th of this year, they opened the Three World Religion in Dubai. The Jewish Center, the Abram House, the Muslim, and the Catholics. I've seen that. All have the One World Religion now. Oh, do they? Okay. You can't mention the word Jesus in that whole place. Right. Okay. But Dubai. The Abrahamic Family Center, yes, or something like that, in so, Dubai. Okay. In Dubai. Well, I just thought it was interesting that this this exactly. this arch went to those three cities. Well, it makes sense because if it landed last in Dubai, that's where Satan has built this house for himself to set up. I mean, the three world religion. If the Muslims claim to go there now, that opens up the Temple Mount in Israel. It may. Interesting. It's all going to fit together, it's but yeah, you're together. there. But I mean, there's pieces you, if you sit right. there and look at it, there are the jigsaw puzzle is going right. to be together. If we're paying attention to it. So we don't, we don't want to get focused on that, oh, but we need to be aware of it. So I do, I do understand yeah, what you're saying. Needs to be the every day. Right. And yet, these people get hooked up with this, all these, you know, uh, immoral, attributes that they have and, and it's like they're addicted to it. It's almost like they're in a trance. Yeah. And to get them out of this is the only thing it's going to do is Christ. Outside of that, they will continue to keep doing it. But, you know, uh, and we're going to see that with people we work with, people around us, uh, maybe even our fa- some family members that are in this and we need to realize where they are and what our job is. And we need to not rant on We need to love on them but we also need to pull them out of it. So, uh, yeah, that's good. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the practice, uh, that your word is practical and uh, it's to our life today, Lord. And Lord, uh, help us to be able to, to see, see the, what covetousness really is, that it's idolatry, Lord. And help us to, to set those things out of our life, to set these seven things out of our life. 
and to live our life for You, to be an example, to be a witness, to walk in the truth that You've given us, oh Lord, that we can pull people out of out of the fire, out of out of hell, basically, and uh, into a relationship with You. So we pray for that. Give us give us opportunities to do that. Open doors, and I pray that we would see fruit in our life for being obedient to You. And we ask all this in Your name, Amen. Thank you.